0: The Starbucks Pistachio Latte will transport you to your happy place. The comforting flavor of pistachio, warm espresso and milk, all with a brown buttery topping, makes today a good day. Order ahead on the Starbucks app.
1: This episode of See Here is dedicated to the memory of legendary genre actor, John Saxon. Long may he rest. Here's to you, sir.
2: episode 75 of see here podcast my name is morris and over on a skype connection a very tenuous skype connection we have in Brantford, ontario mr tim merrill yeah tin cans bobble gum and sealing wax and over in bath mr bernard stickwell uh hello everybody You thought you'd gotten rid of us, but we had the last laugh on you. For those of you joining us for the first time, welcome on board. We're on the Pantheon Podcast Network. And what we do is talk about music-related films. It can be involved in the story in any capacity. Occasionally we do musicals, because we like them. But what we like to do is talk about films where the subject matter is about music, musicians, the music industry, music culture. You get the picture. And this time around... Bernie has picked the film from 1977, and the film is...
3: Outlaw Blues, directed by Richard T. Heffron and starring Peter Fonda, uh, Susan St. James, and I guess James T.
2: Callahan's probably the other recognizable actor. Oh, Michael Lerner as well. Michael Lerner, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're going to go play you the trailer and then we'll come back to discuss this film from 1977. Is it a Lost 70s classic? We'll talk more about that after the break. You're listening to See Here. I spent six years in jail and it was horrible. I
0: was just breathing and taking up space. Oh, in the last two weeks, I've done more living than in all six years. Woman, look what we've done. I came down here to your studio to tell you that I'll forget you stole my song if you start peeing me my royalty monies. I would definitely do something about them dog patch manners of yours. We got a hit record. I've been chased. I got shot. Then I fell madly in love.
3: Just
0: because you're smarter than me, you don't have to go get stuck
3: up, you know. Stuck up? <laughs> Looks to me, you're the one stuck up permanently. Well, it's because you're such a
0: constant source of inspiration. Oh, I for guess so. Yeah, well, listen, wait a second. I got something in my
3: pocket I want to show you. Don't you ever get tired? Hmm.
0: I figured uh, 2,123 incidents of lovemaking. i behind. Well, you ought to get caught up by morning. There they are! <laughs> Peter Fonda and Susan St. James. Oh, hell, I'd do another six years just to live it over again. Outlaw Blues.
2: And we're back. Morris over here, Bernie over there, Tim somewhere else over there, and we're talking about Outlaw Blues from 1977. The IMDb summary. Susan St. James helps Peter Fonda, an ex-convict who goes after the country music star who stole his song and made it a hit. Bernie, this was your pick.
3: Yeah, it's... Not a film I was really aware of Up until a few months ago Where I came across it And I'm a huge Peter Fonda fan I, I will watch pretty much anything with Peter Fonda And so I watched it a few months ago And, I, you know, I won't tell you whether I liked it or not yet We'll get to that But the reason I chose it Is because we've done, over the last couple of months We've done this sort of interviews and some heavier films And so on And um, I just thought we should do something That's a bit kind of lightweight. And fun and a bit of a, a drive in type movie because, Lord knows, the world's going to hell in a handbasket at the moment. So I thought it'd be nice just to have something a little bit lightweight, fluffy, and, and distracting.
1: It's funny you mentioned drive ins, Byrne, because Peter Fonda was one of the kings of the 70s drive in circuit, as far as I'm concerned.
3: Oh, absolutely. I don't think anyone would dispute that,
1: Tim. Yeah. No, absolutely. because, I mean, like, you, you really look at films like Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry. So help me. If you try another stunt like that again, I'm going to braid your tits. You look at Race with the Devil, and then there was a number of actual trucking films that came out. Eyeballing, I was going to say, Jerry Ray. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And this film, even though there's no trucks or anything, it's still got that kind of vibe to it.
3: It's got a, yeah. Yeah, a definite sort of Smokey and the Bandit type vibe, hasn't it? Right. <laughs> Right, exactly.
1: Back in the 70s, there were kind of almost like a genre, a subgenre into itself, was the law enforcement exploitation. You know, yeah, yeah where, yeah. where it was always, you know, the law enforcement were the heavies, you know, and the and cops never knew how to drive. And they wound up uh, hitting each other out in the middle of a gravel uh, quarry or something, you know, and piling up cop cars. And this has some of that. But just to me, it's all indicative of the 70s. And like Peter Fonda was one of the linchpins of it all. I'd say him
2: and Carradine. You mentioned trucking films and Bill Norton, who wrote this film, also wrote Convoy. Makes sense. Oh, Probably wow. the big trucking film.
3: Interesting bit of IMDb trivia as well. Apparently, Chris Christopherson was offered the lead in this, and he turned it down to do Convoy. So, synchronicity. That's kind of weird,
1: because the thing is, and there's no spoiler or anything, but Peter Fonda really can't sing. but (laughs) But he's a better actor, whereas Chris Christopherson's a better singer than an actor. So it's kind of ironic that the one he picked, he, he could have really shone in a film where all he has to do is basically sing. But instead, he, he chooses a film with Ali McGraw that is one of the low levels on uh, Sam Peckinpah's totem pole.
3: <laughs> but you have to bear in mind the Convoy was a huge hit, wasn't it? And sure. this one pretty much sank without trace. So in that respect, he probably made the right decision.
2: I'm trying to remember, did the film come out in, like, based on the song or were they both out together?
3: I think um,
1: G.W. McCall
2: came out with that song before the movie the film already had a target audience waiting for it just thinking that song which was an unlikely top 40 hit although mind you in the 70s maybe there was no such thing as an unlikely top 40 hit
3: it was a different landscape wasn't it yeah, Correct. yeah. You
2: know, novelty yeah. songs sat quite happily against so-called serious songs sure Rubber Ducky and I'm not talking about Convoy was a top 40 song
3: when but, you say Rubber but, Ducky you mean the, the Bert and Ernie Rubber Ducky that's exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> fantastic <laughs> Rubber ducky, you're the one. You make bath
1: time lots of fun. Rubber ducky, I'm awfully fond of you. That was actually the first 45 I ever
3: bought. Oh, Tim, as as if you could go up in my estimation anymore, you just did. That was amazing. Oh, yeah, wow.
2: 45, i ever bought my own money. You are my hero. One of my earliest albums was Sesame Street Fever.
3: Yep. That's- oh, that's a disco one. Yeah. Rubber Ducky, you're so fine, and I'm lucky that you're mine, Rubber Ducky, I'm awfully fond of you. Morris, that's
2: amazing. You're even cooler than Tim. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Grover replacing John Travolta on the front cover. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that well. That's beautiful way. Oh, you guys. But we're not here to talk about Sesame Street Fever and Sesame Disco. We're here to talk about Outlaw Blues, the 1977 film with Peter Fonda. Before I go asking your initial thoughts about it, Tim, earlier on this month I recorded an episode of The Projection Booth with Mike White and his friend Leon Chase. We were talking about... The new Susie Quattro documentary called Susie Q, and right. at the end of every projection booth episode, Mike always asks his guest, "What are you up to? Like in your film-related life, be it podcasts or filmmaking or whatever." So I mentioned that we were going to be covering this film, Outlaw Blues, for this month's episode of See Here. At that time, when we recorded, I'd only watched the trailer. I said to the guys, just based on the trailer, it looked like a country music version of the Blues Brothers with the country singer in a lot of car chases and being wanted by all sorts of people. And Leon, the other co-host, wanted to know if this film had Peter Fonda attempting to play in a soul music bar. <laughs> Leon, if you're listening to this, I will tell you right at the outset, unfortunately not. And more's the pity.
3: He does play in a country music bar, though, doesn't he?
2: Yeah, he does. But it would have been nicer if he would have rolled up into a soul music bar and had to do a version of I Can't Turn You Loose. Somehow I can't see uh, Ray
1: Charles and Peter Fonda together.
2: No, but Ray Charles, obviously, he did his st- in uh country music
3: stranger things yeah yeah
2: all right hello hello you don't recognize me huh well uh should i yeah
0: i sang a song for you in huntsville a song you didn't listen to
3: oh is that so
0: yeah i uh i came down here to your studio to tell you that i'll forget you stole my song if you start peeing me my royalty monies
1: It's interesting because a lot of this kind of makes me harken back to other things. Like, for example, seeing Susan St. James, I just remember her with Rock Hudson, Macmillan and White. And again, like with Peter Fonda, you know, he's so enigmatic for Easy Rider. But there was a lot of things that he did that I still remember him for, like I said, for mostly driving films. When you were the son or daughter of a well-known celebrity and someone who, who proved beyond a shadow of a doubt their craft, that gave you a lot of leverage in the past And I think it gave people a lot of opportunities too To pursue things that they might have Generally never done before For example, going into singing You know, when you think of singing You really don't think of Peter Fawn. It's something, maybe he had an interest Or something he wanted to try to go out on a limb And see if he could do And other people have tried this before too Because for example, David Carradine When he did the Woody Gunthery story Battle for
0: Glory Many a month has come and gone since I've wandered from my home in those Oklahoma hills where I was born, many a page of life has
1: turned. And then he did a film called Raggedy Man that I seen where he played guitar and he sang and Carradine could play and he could sing. But with this, I think the whole thing is, is that you need a character or a lead that is strong enough to really support this kind of story. Because it's all basically about him and his song. And I don't know if Peter Fonda can really hold it up. Water
0: for my horses. It's all I'm asking. You can tell.
1: I mean, I like his stoic nature you know the way he holds himself through it it's almost like he's like pulling kind of like a little bit of a clint eastwood jr kind of a little bit but i don't know i thought it was kind of stilted in a way like i really didn't know what it wanted to be whether it wanted to be a drama or whether it wanted to be a goofy action chase caper or or what it just seemed like that was another thing too is that the kind of tones the beats kind of went all over the map
3: for me it's interesting because it kind of starts off and it feels a bit more serious than dark and dark than it actually is and you basically you get to the point where I guess he's on the run. Essentially what happens is the Peter Fonda character plays this song to this country music star who's come to uh, do a concert in prison, you know of Johnny Cash, David Allen Coe and so on. And yeah, he plays in this song that he's written and then this country music guy steals a song, records it has a hit with it. So when Fonda is released from jail, he goes to, uh, to see him, says, you know, give me some money man and a fracker ensues and this country music guy winds up actually getting Shot accidentally, and so Peter Fonda is is on the run. That that's the premise. That's where the film goes. But up until that point, as I say, it feels quite serious and quite dark. Right. But then the tone changes completely, and it does pretty much turn into yep. Smokey in Smoky and the Bandit. Then,
2: complete with a banjo soundtrack. That's when it yeah yeah Bonnie, Bonnie and Clyde thing. <laughs> interesting that you both sort of point to the fact that it doesn't quite know what it wants to be. I mean, I think in a way it does know what it wants to be. Oh, no, I think it does as well. It does want to be this goofy action romance type of film, but my problems with the film and I feel terrible saying this because if I'd just watched this without thinking about it for the show I would have come away saying yeah that was a good way to spend an hour and a half and it is a good way to spend an hour and a half it's quite enjoyable but thinking about it for the podcast I was thinking its inadequacies were what it didn't do rather than what it did do and it's got a history of other films that it has to measure up against even for it being like the second feature on a drive-in double bill so there are two main things i see going here that is the film trying to be an analysis of corruption in the music industry or is it supposed to be a continuation of the films that peter fonda had previously done about giving a finger to middle america to authority we've already gone and mentioned the other films of that period that it's probably more in alignment with Smokey and the Bandit and TV shows like Dukes of Hazard or Eat My Dust even. But mm-hmm. if we take the path that says, right, okay, well, this is a film about a guy who's been wrong giving the finger to the man or it's about the counterculture rebellion and ultimately giving the finger to the mainstream culture then we were discussing off air before bernie about easy rider and my embarrassing confession this was in preparation for this the first time i'd watched easy rider yeah you know that ends very very darkly but it's a film that's a treatise (laughs) on how these guys they go out to seek america and find out that it's not what they thought it was and America goes and bites them back. It right. blew it, yeah. Even a film like Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry, which I watched on Tim's recommendation, the Peter Fonda character in there, he's a complete asshole. Oh, yeah. But you still sort of going for him and his compadres on that chase but by the end America goes and bites them back.
1: That's what I was going to say is that it's almost like no spoiler with this film but it's interesting how all three of them have kind of a similarity at the end, a vehicular similarity.
2: The first two films are saying there is no future for you guys but by the end of this film it's let's have the happy ending and really between the fade of the vehicular destruction in outlaw blues and the wedding so spoiler alert this has the happy ending you're thinking hang on how do they get from jumping out of the speedboat to being married in mexico you're just supposed to think, oh yeah they got away safely it doesn't sort of work. Wear-
3: i think the mistake that you are both making and it's not a mistake because you know you you see the film and you get what you get from it but both of you seem to be looking way too deeply and trying to read stuff into this that is just not there. The whole point of this film is just to kick back and have some fun. It's silly. It doesn't really make sense. You can drive a combine harvester through some of the holes in the plot. (laughs) Yeah. But that's that's not what it's for. This is for you to go to the drive-in and right. drink a couple of beers and eat some potato skins and just have some fun.
2: I get that. And I qualified this by saying that my problem is that my issues with it are what it doesn't do rather than what it does do. You did. You're quite right, yeah. But I'll put one more thing to you. So another film that I did watch as part of my prep for this, there was a film that came out in the early 80s with Chris Christopherson and Willie Nelson written by a guy called Alan Rudolph called oh, wait, yeah. Songwriter Songwriter
0: <laughs> <laughs> The
2: story of two great friends in a bad old business yeah. there was three films I was sort of thinking about in terms of looking at this from a songwriter who'd been done wrong and one of them I know you guys all agree with which we already spoke about on the program which was The Harder They Come Yeah, and we spoke about another brilliant film called Payday which had Rip Torn and yeah. Rip, Rip Torn seems to be across a lot of these country music films of the 70s or these songwriter films he was also in One Trick Pony as the music executive but in songwriting we get the story of Chris Christopherson and Willie Nelson who are part of a country music trio along with Melinda Dillon Chris Christopherson keeps playing and then Willie Nelson decides that he's going to become a music manager but his own manager has screwed him out of 100% of his royalties it becomes sort of like a revenge tale in a humorous way that he's going to screw his manager out of all his funds if he can't get out of the contract and it's still very driving. And it's still very clever and a hell of a lot of fun. It's just a very, very sharp, witty sort of film, maybe in a Robert Altman-esque sort of way, like a little bit Mm -hmm. like Nashville. But without it being overly serious, it's not It's not serious at all. It's very, very funny. It's got really cracking, sharp dialogue. And it just sort of seems to me that when I compare Outlaw Blues with this, I'm thinking, well, we've got two tales of the music industry, the country music industry at that. Right. And I just sort of think that this stuff in Songwriter, that even if they'd gone a little bit more in that direction with Outlaw Blues, it might have been a better film.
1: Well, here's an interesting thing, too, is that the song's, themselves. Did you guys happen to check the writing credits for some of the songs?
2: Hoy Axton
3: wrote a bunch Axton, of them. The, yeah, the, the yeah. Axton song at Little Blues, which the, the movie's based around, was written by John Oates of Fallen Oates, wasn't it? i got the last on you and I'm singing the outlaw blues
0: i got the last last all of you
2: cuz i'm still alive ain't stop time was desperately looking around to see if I could find even a demo version that Hall & Oates might have done. because (laughs) Can you imagine? Yeah. Well look on the one hand it seemed like something that you wouldn't expect from half of Hall & Oates but I believe in recent years he's certainly been going down the Americana route and I haven't had a chance to hear it but I think in 2010 he did basically a bluegrass album so it's obviously something that's always been in his arsenal.
3: Yeah I mean the very early Hall & Oates stuff as well as that obvious sort of soul influence it does have a right. slight rootsy kind of feel to it as well, doesn't
2: it? i got to say, as a song unto itself, it's a really good song. I was having a look, though, at some of the cats who were playing, like, in the band. I sort of thought, oh, yeah, it's probably be like all the Nashville cats who were playing on the Nashville scene of that time, of that period. And you've got musicians like Jim Keltner and Jeff Skunk Baxter, who you know, more L.A. musicians. Those guys could play anything, but I just sort of thought it was unusual that they wouldn't have maybe gone for guys who played in the Stray Gators, who played on Neil Young's...
3: Uh, Harvesting. going back to what you were saying about the movie songwriter and how that's uh almost an example of how to do something like this, a movie like this, right, and that it's sharp and witty and fun and intelligent. I think when you look at these uh, kind of drive-in movies, I be quite broad here, but films like Songwriter are the exception to the rule. You will get the odd gem here and there, but most of them don't reach those kind of heights. So I think maybe in a way it's a bit of an unfair comparison to pick something that's really, really good. I, I don't well, know whether it is, is it? There's, there's like
1: <laughs> (laughs) Uh, Willie did a number of films, man. It's funny because, like, he did Honeysuckle Rose, and that was one about him playing as a country performer. And then he did a film, I think it was called Barbarossa, that he did with Gary Busey. There was another drive-in film that I remember. But, yeah, there was a number of musicians who branched out. And it was interesting how musicians, like I said, musicians try to become actors, and every actor wants to be a musician. And it just seemed like in the 70s and 80s, there was that kind of, Whole thing, and then you know you wind up eventually getting guys like Prince who could do both. You know when, when Purple Rain kicks around, and then wow, okay. you know like there you go. But before that, it was like I say, every actor, you know, you ask them what they wanted to be. Oh man, I want to be a musician. That's the coolest. You get to tour, and then they ask every musician that holds their own gear and tours, and what would you want to be? Oh, I want to
2: go to Hollywood and be an actor. I'll take issue though with what you guys said before about Chris Christopherson. I actually think that Chris Christopherson could hold his own as an actor.
3: I never said he was a bad actor. That wasn't me. No, I never. He's Cisco but I... Pike.
2: Yeah, he's fantastic in Cisco Pike. My my misunderstanding. The other thing that I saw him in, mean, I didn't think it was a great film, but I think he did a good job. Was the film I think from 1976, based on a Japanese book that I'd read, Taylor who fall from grace with the sea. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, the book is a lot better, really nasty piece of work, but his acting in that was great. But okay, sorry, my misunderstanding. That's all right. He's
3: also really great in the Steven Seagal movie Fire Down Below. But
1: even before that, I was about to say. To throw in as well, Alice doesn't live here anymore. Oh yes. He's really good in that.
3: It's not as good as Fire Down Below, I'll tell you that much.
2: <laughs> You're wearing your driving hat on your sleeve there, aren't you, Ben?
3: Did you know, a complete aside here, Fire Down Below, the Steven Seagal movie, is Steven Seagal nonsense, of course. But it not only does it feature Chris Christopherson, it's also got Levon Helm in it as well, both in acting roles. And Harry Dean Stanton plays a little guitar tune in it as well. All right, back to our main feature. Carry on. Sorry.
2: <laughs> well. What's going on? I ain't cutting a record here. How come? Sound stinks. Come on, don't be ridiculous. Two lousy hours, you got yourself a finished LP. No way. This is perfect for you. Look what Cash's prison album did for him. Well, that's the point. I ain't Cash. I'm not making any. Look, I mean, why stick your pecker in a pencil sharpener, right? Garland, I wouldn't ask you to do anything that I didn't think was best for you. Ow, shit. Let's come back to this film and whether it works in its own right. And once again, I think I did enjoy it. I think even if I didn't have these other films to compare it to I'd still say it's central conceit which is an issue okay so we come back to early on in the film where Peter Fonda he goes and performs his song in the prison as a sound check on behalf of Garland Dupree who's played by James Callahan You know who that
1: I really say- thought that guy was initially when I first looked at him The guy at banana No 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 he was in the Blues Brothers and he played the country and western singer in the Blues Brothers He's in all the
2: Ras films
1: as
3: well. Right. Um, oh, Charles Napier? Yeah, Charles oh, Napier. Yeah, initially
1: Charles I thought Napier. it was Charles Napier. You're
2: going to look pretty funny trying to going on a car with no fucking teeth.
3: Close. He's not quite got the chin. I thought Garden Dupree was a, a great hammy, over-the-top villain in this. I thought he was fantastic, a giant asshole, um, <laughs> totally egotistical and driven, full of himself. And I thought he was a Are really you good sure villain. You're not in
1: that respect. Talking about somebody else, Bernie, that happens to be <laughs> sitting in the White House. Oh, no, never mind. Huh? <laughs> uh,
3: well, that uh, comparison can always be made. Sorry, carry on, Morris. I, I just interjected there.
2: I think the problem with the central conceit of the film is Garland Dupree could actually steal this song in front of however many any witnesses and get away with it. He's got his band who are on his payroll, but even the two characters who come around to the Peter Fonda character's side one of them being the Susan St. James love interest and the other guy who I didn't catch the character's name or the actor's name but I'm going to call him Mike Love because he looks like Mike. Love. <laughs> He's a country version of Mike Love isn't he yeah perfect. He's got the sailor's cap and the long beard look exactly like him. These two guys who are in Garland Dupree's employ they didn't say hang on what are you putting this song out for without crediting him that's this guy's song they're fully behind him once they realize that they can make a little bit of money out of it but it makes absolutely no sense that this uh, country and western villain can steal this guy's song and the other thing that makes no sense to me is that this guy he is a country and western superstar that he comes into the film he doesn't need this one guy's song to steal
3: oh yes he does because Michael Lerner says I've been speaking to the IRS and they're looking into various things
2: you talked to Bill Morrison today? no I have not well I did he says the IRS is getting awfully anxious about what you owe him. Now, without the advance money you'd be getting for this album, well, I just don't know.
3: So in a weird bit of Willie Nelson foreshadowing style, he's got some tax
2: problems, so he needs yeah. the money. So you're saying he's like Chico Mark. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Harlan needs needed the money. the money. So tell me, Groucho, why did you steal that Peter Fonda's song? Because Harlan needed the money. It's called suspension
3: of disbelief, Morris. You strike me as the kind of person who when you're watching a film, you'll be like, well, he wouldn't say that. That doesn't make any sense. Why did that happen? I mean, you're completely right, but... You have to take the film on the level, you know, this film creates and inhabits its own universe. Yeah, but you know what it
1: is? It's almost like it's like a 40s movie where you got the two opposite attractions, love interests, you know, like, and then you've got the one guy in the middle who's kind of like like the schemer, the guy who's you know who's out to throw a wrench in everything, and you know how everything all is all light and lofty, and everyone will prevail in the end.
3: I did think that the chemistry between Peter Fonda and Susan St James was actually pretty good. felt quite genuine, and I think some of their dialogue and the way they delivered the dialogue it it kind of sort of rang true a little bit they were a little cheeky and flirty with each other and there was just i don't know some of their little sort of scenes together i thought were really sort of quite genuine and quite
2: nice the positive side i do agree that they had a certain chemistry with each other there was that line that i confess made me burst out laughing where i
3: don't know it's one of his
2: (laughs) she discovers that he's been hiding out in her house and she takes a shot at him and he falls in the river comes back in, is drying himself off and she's trying to explain to him how she reckons that they can make money off his record because his version of the same song has been put out in competition against the garland dupree version of the song and he's just listening to her and then he just says to her i ain't been late in five years three months and 12 days and she just keeps on talking and Just that awkward, <laughs> awkward moment Only in a 70s film That completely worked with their chemistry
3: Yeah, that was a nice little scene When I was young I dreamed of
0: highways I never knew
2: So you're the one who's telling me suspension of disbelief. Was there anything in the film that you think, even for you, didn't work?
3: I don't know taking it on its own merits not really maybe it leans a little too heavy but only a little bit into the kind of car chases and boat chases the boat chase at the end particularly seems to maybe go on for a little too long but no I think you know it it does what it does and if you just don't expect much from it I think it delivers quite nicely it's a lot of I really liked a lot of denim and obviously a lot of sort of 70s country fan fashions in it you know lots of guys with long hair and beards and tight t-shirts and flared jeans. There's one guy who's wearing a t-shirt which just says fall for love on there, which uh, I thought was great. And I, I, Maybe I just, you know what, simple pleasures. Maybe I'm just not expecting much from this and so I'm enjoying it. It's, it's like a, you know, it's a Big Mac. One
1: it's, thing I was going to say, I have kind of a pet peeve. Actually, I was sitting out with some friends last night at a get-together and we were talking about this and I say that the one thing I really hate in a lot of films is how they have to actually verbally explain the exposition. There's a scene at the beginning where he's getting out of prison, and then the guard or the warden or whatever says no. Bobby,
0: I hope you aren't getting any stupid ideas, because if you are, I can put a hold on that release so fast it make your head swim.
3: Well, you know that's exactly what he's going to do, so you don't even have to say it. Yeah, but what else is the warden going to say to him at that point? That yeah. always bugs me when they do
1: that film when people are, now, don't go in the basement because somebody was buried in the basement in 1865 and there's a vengeful curse <laughs> you know like, like oh, I just can't stand that
2: but aside from that I thought you know it's a fun film you know what despite everything that I've said I did enjoy it I just wish I hadn't watched it for the show because I probably would have watched it. I thought yeah yeah that's a fun film next yeah like, like, one thing I would have liked more of was actual musical performances because i got to say I really really like that song i like the performance that they did in the prison the two of them decide that they're going to be really cheeky and give the finger to the law and he'll go to the radio station to plug his song well as a KVET exclusive we have him here in the studio for an interview how you doing bobby just fine mr green I just
0: wanted to drop in and say how much I appreciate you playing my record.
2: And he'll do a gig in a local country in western Bar and play his song there. And then there's a scene later on where they're recording with a band. They're recording like a whole album where we get a couple of songs out there. And I'm a sucker for watching, in a fictitious film, watching musicians play. I, re- right. I really actually don't mind... Peter Fonda's voice in this. What year did Nashville come out? 71, I think. Okay, so this was yeah,
0: this
1: was long after that because it, I was going to say that Peter Fonda's performance reminds me a little bit of like Keith Carradine when he's singing I'm Easy.
2: It's not my way to love you just when no one's looking It's not my way to take your hand if I'm not sure. Not my way to let you see what's going on inside of me.
0: Did either of
2: you see, there was, I think, a Woody Allen film in the 1990s called Everyone Says That I Love You. Yeah. That was one film which I'll never return to, but I think the central conceit there was Woody Allen said, no, I'm going to get a bunch of actors who are not singers to really sing their own songs. So you've got Goldie Hawn and Alan Older doing all their own song work, and it's pretty terrible. So I think... Peter Fonda he can actually hold a tune he's actually okay I don't know whether he would have made a living as a country and western singer in his own right but you know if he said look I've gone and put out an album of some songs i think okay at the very least I'll give it a listen and Hoyt Axton as he said wrote some of these songs yeah John- yeah yeah uh, John Oates' own title track for this it's a, it's a decent song so I would have actually liked to have heard some more music
3: Peter Fonda's got a better voice in this than Rip Torn does in Payday <laughs> <laughs> Rip Torn really cannot sing but yeah I think the songs in this Are uniformly really good I mean you know If there was a soundtrack LP to this I'd probably buy it It's that nice Sort of 70s Melancholy country With a slight edge to it You know It's not uh, too mainstreamy But it's not too It's just just good songs I liked it I'll reiterate one more time There's really not a, a lot to this But if you're prepared to accept it On its own terms I think it's a fun way To spend 90 minutes I will say I watched it again today Because we were talking about it This evening obviously and i actually enjoyed it more the second time strangely i don't know what maybe that says more about me than the film itself it's not going to set the world on fire but it's it's a perfectly pleasant way to spend 90 minutes
2: i think the other thing is that like us as film fans and particularly our love of films of the 70s i mean we're always looking for those hidden gems from any era but we seem to be really drawn to those gems from the 70s because there's so much wonderful stuff that's been forgotten about and when we did payday i was just so enamored with how wonderful that film was and so when this film came along and i thought you know it's fun and i was really looking forward to it being a gem and you know as you say it's a very enjoyable way to spend 90 minutes and it is available yeah. on youtube
3: payday's a much much better film payday's a different league entirely okay well let me put
2: this to you tim do you think that a comparison between this and and the harder they come, at least in terms of musician on the lamb being done wrong. Of course, they go in very different directions, but would they be a good double bill?
1: I'd say that, yeah, you have that underlying thread of a musician done wrong, but I think that they're two separate entities into themselves. Like Bernie said earlier, and this is kind of a lighthearted romp. I don't think Peter Fonda's delusional the way <laughs>
3: that
1: Jimmy Cliff is and Peter Fonda doesn't go to the lengths of what Jimmy Cliff does you know and I mean and the endings couldn't be any different more different but like I say, there are two different things I know themselves but I say there is the underlying thread of the musician done wrong but that's been seen through a, lot, a number of films there was a point in, in history when I was younger that I remember there was a lot of films that came out in the 70s and 80s there was like Save the Rec Center and it was always like there was that thing that they had to save, that right that they had to wrong, and it was either like the local city hall or the commissioner or the sheriff or, the. like I said before, the exploitation, but there was always that get everybody together to eventually right the wrong, and the little engine that couldn't finally gets up the hill, and that's what this film is kind of like. It kind of harkens back to those tropes, you know, of just the, the little small guy getting stepped on and then finally, you know, overcoming the administration or you know the industry or law enforcement or whatever how you
2: sticking it to the man that's right i guess my final word on it and acknowledging that peter fonda and susan st james were a very charismatic couple in this but an alternative couple would have been chris christopherson who as he said was offered the role and crystal gale because i thought <laughs> that susan st james was if not quite a dead ringer for crystal gale but that, she wasn't uh, far off was she not far off at all so it would have been interesting to see how the two of them would have approached this Material. I personally find Christopherson a more charismatic actor. Once again, not writing right. anything down on Peter Fonda's performance in this, but I think Christopherson actually has more range.
1: You know, I was thinking like what they could have done in the late '80s. Now is they could have done a remake of this with Gigi Allen and called it Outlaw Spew. <laughs> Got a laughing problem, motherfucker. Him getting out of prison and finding out that somebody's like ripping him off and. <laughs>
3: Someone's someone's recorded by it, you scum And it wasn't Gigi He's like, oh god damn it (laughs) I
2: wouldn't want Gigi coming after me (laughs) I wonder if Gigi claimed that Carmelita was his song And not Warren Zevon's song Yeah, exactly (laughs) Warden John told
0: me son A hundred years And you'll still be here I looked him in the eye And told him Warden John, I don't really care Some birds are born to glide the valleys
1: and to soar the mountains high.
2: Well, I think that's pretty much covered all that we have to say about Outlaw Blues. I guess our final verdict is: it's on YouTube. You've got an evening free. It's highly enjoyable. Give it a shot.
1: I'd watch this on a double bill with Smokey and the Bandit or Cannonball yeah, Run yeah. or something like
3: that. It's definitely uh, got that same vibe. If you if you can you know if you enjoy those kind of films, you'll enjoy this. Two
1: Ron Howard movies: that was
2: Gone in sixty seconds and Eat My Dust. Yeah, yeah, totally. I made the mistake of watching it with Easy Rider. <laughs> You've only yourself to blame. Nice. all right so let's talk about next month that will be uh august of 2020 i think we're all pretty excited about this we have a return guest to the show but not just any old return guest we have what is for us filmmaking royalty we're welcoming back to the show the one and only mr alan arkush he the director of get crazy rock and roll high school the great film about the Temptations, and- So much TV as well, but we are going to be speaking to him about concert films. We're not going to be tackling a specific film, but we've all wanted him back on the show for a long time. I don't think you were with us last time, Bernie.
3: I wasn't. I'm looking forward to uh, getting
2: to, you know, have a chat with him. Yeah. Sent him out a note, said, look, would you like to come back? And his approach is, hey, you want to talk about music and films? I'm right there with you. So... We're incredibly grateful for him, uh, giving us the time. So yeah, what we're going to be doing is talking about concert films, what makes a great concert film, ones that work, ones that didn't work, ones that he may have been involved with from a filmmaking perspective, how a concert sequence in a staged film is different from an out-and-out live performance film whatever it is whichever direction he'll take it look if he wants to go talk about the Lotus Martin Scorsese film and what he thought of it I'll go wherever he wants (laughs) it's Alan Arco she can talk about whatever he damn well pleases
3: it's the Alan Arco show next month basically so
2: tell your friends tell your enemies it should be a wonderful time you want to hit us up on the socials Bernie manages our Instagram page
3: yeah see here podcast all one word so search that on Instagram find us and
2: follow us and we're on facebook just look for facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash see here podcast you can download us from the website You can download us from Stitcher, iTunes, or Apple Podcasts, as they now call themselves. And you should also listen to any one of our millions of compadres on the Pantheon Podcast Network. And since we last spoke, I think we're now up to 45 podcasts. They're dedicated to just talking about music. Until next month, look after each other, be nice to each other, watch a great film, listen to some great music. Wear a mask. Absolutely. All the best. You. Cheers. Bye. Because I'm still living, ain't stop trying, and I
0: know I can find my way through.